NPR Mageddon is made possible with support from Ideal Water Purification. Our team of highly skilled water technicians personally sample every batch of Ideal Water, making sure there's just enough bleach to kill the germs without killing our customers. Due to less than ideal circumstances, we do have a number of open positions, like a lot. So apply today. All you need is a thirst for adventure. You're listening to NBR again, National Post-Apocalyptic Radio. Always something a little more to scream about. From NPR again in Los Angeles, I am Brian Garcia McMillan Keithley. This morning, President Skogor announced that today is possibly his birthday, and he wants all of Los Angeles to get in on the festivities, whether they want to or not. My fellow Los Angelinos, I don't know what day I was born, so I've never been able to celebrate my birthday proper. It makes me sad. Well, that changes today. In honor of my sacrifice, my integrity, and my true grit, I've decided by presidential decree that today is my birthday. And maybe tomorrow too. But definitely today. Furthermore, I've decided that my birthday is a treasured national holiday that will be celebrated by everybody. I can't wait to see what presents you all will be legally obligated to get me. Government officials will be going door to door collecting presents until all gifts are accounted for. And if you're not sure what to get our dear leader, there is no need to fret. In lieu of physical gifts, the president said he would accept quality time with hot wet bitches. One out of four lost Angelinos can't read or write, but none of them are allowed to. If you find anyone breaking this law, please report them to the authorities immediately for your chance to win scrap metal, cleanish drinking water, or recreational drugs. Remember, reading is detrimental. Thank you. The world's best surfers are headed to Broken Glass Beach to compete in the Cowabunga Dude Surfing Invitational. A forecast of record-breaking waves is luring adrenaline junkies from near and far, so we sent NPR Mageddon's resident surfer girl, Kelsey Gunn, to see if she could catch a wave. As world-class sporting events go, the Cowabunga Dude Surfing Competition is unique in its unpredictability. When the waves and the weather are just right, competitors get only 48 hours' notice to get to Broken Glass Beach named for the large amounts of broken glass that permeate its white sands. You don't want to go barefoot out here, that's for sure. But with waves this gnarly, people are willing to get a little cut up. Contest organizer Grody Brody is a mass of scabs and scar tissue. Brody stresses that this surfing competition is not for those who can't take the sight of blood. When a 40-foot wave picks you up and smashes you down on a bed of broken beer bottles and light bulbs, you know... You're going to feel that one in the morning. And don't even get me started on the salt water. Oh, man. There's nothing like it in the world. These brave athletes risk life and limb in hopes of riding that perfect wave. We asked last year's winner, Tony Kahuna, what it takes to conquer the Cowabunga Dude Invitational. You got to go aggro, carving the A-frame without getting caught inside. Because when the waves are cranking, there's no room for dirty licking. I have no idea what you're saying. 
You know, when you're on your gun in the green room, you gotta be careful. This isn't for Groms or Green Bellies, you get me? I got nothing. But the surfers aren't the only ones who drop everything and head to Broken Glass Beach when the call goes out. I just can't get enough! (laughs) Emma Conrad is a quick sketch artist who specializes in human suffering. She's been sketching participants at the Cowabunga Dude for the last four years. There is nothing like watching cute surfer boys bleeding out on the beach and saying dreamy things like, why are you drawing me? Go get help. Or, or I feel so cold, I think I sliced an artery. Or, or are you signing your name with my blood? Oh, people sure do suffer for art, you know? <laughs> for years, surfers looked out at the huge waves breaking onto a glass-riddled beach and figured it was too dangerous. Well, they were right. Looking forward to a weekend of surf, sun, and sliced skin... Kelsey Gunn, NPR Armageddon. In an effort to make daycare more affordable for needy families, the government has introduced a pioneering pilot program promising prolific profits for parents paralyzed by poverty. NPR Armageddon's Amy Dallin has more. Here ringside at Happyland Daycare, where a government pilot program known as Toddler Fight Club has been providing free daycare for lower-income families with kiddos that are ready to rumble. I see it as a way for poor families to get skin in the game. It's a hand up, not a hand out. Congressman Butch Blood spearheaded the Toddler Fight Club program as a way to curb the high costs of daycare. Normally, children cost a lot of money. Our toddlers will make money through the magic of gambling. Indeed, Fight Club revenues have exceeded the associated medical and funeral costs nearly 100-fold. It's so nice to be able to help out your community, you know? These kids are real fighters. Daycare worker slash bookie Ezra Blanco wants to see this program initiated all across Los Angeles. This isn't just some welfare program. It's a sporting event. I could see regional toddler fight clubs spring up everywhere. Championship bibs, stepladder matches. We're just barely scratching the surface here. And what do these pint-sized warriors think of their new profession? Will my ear grow back? I'm afraid not. From Happyland Daycare, I'm Amy Dallin, NPR Mageddon. Hi, I'm uh, Old Man Stimson, known for my alternative meat products as well as being the oldest man in Los Angeles. Earlier this month, I made a poor decision to read books. Not only did I read them, I enjoyed them. You never think that something like this can happen to you, but suddenly it's very real. My literature habit had progressed to the point that I couldn't even brush my teeth in the morning unless I got a few chapters of reading in beforehand. I read alone. I had to read more to get the same effect. And I regularly read more than I intended to. But through government-mandated re-education, I have learned the horrible effect that books have had on my life. And even worse, The impact my own book reading has had on innocent people. Take it from me, reading is for imbeciles. 
Can I go home now? A unique marketplace has gradually taken shape in downtown Los Angeles, but does it promise more than it can deliver? NPR Mageddon's Cameron Dean has more about the so-called fair fair. In a time when currency is scarce and barely regulated, normal citizens often have a tough time making purchases for daily necessities, and that's where the fair fair comes in. I'd like to think we give folks a fair place to barter goods. Everybody wins here. Fair Fair organizer Jensen Akins. Bartering is simple. It gives folks a chance to trade for things they need when they don't have money. And, well, it's fair all around. But it seems fair to say that the promise of a fair fair is a little fair-fetched. At least according to a few recent attendees. Yeah, I went to the fair fair to trade some scrap metal for fuel. And Jensen Akins beat the shit out of me. Then he took all my scrap. Then he came back and split my head open with a two-by-four. Now people call me Old Doublehead. I can't even go outside without wearing a hat. Having said that, free market capitalism is clearly the best system we have. Anything other than a true meritocracy would just be soul-crushing. I only wanted some seeds for our garden. I offered to swap my skills as a tailor. Jensen Aikens beat the shit out of me. Then he made me sew him a scarf that said free market on it. Then he choked me out with the scarf. Having said that, what's the alternative? Pinko communist work camps and shared food troughs? No thanks. I'll take my chances at the fair fair. He's a real son of a biscuit, all right. I brought my goat to trade for a radio, then Jensen Aikens beat the snot out of me, took my goat, then told me that the only radio I needed was his voice in my ear screaming death threats. Having said that, being subjected to free market forces was exhilarating. I can't wait to be on the other side next time when I'll be the one doing the beating. When confronted with these accusations, Jensen Akins was unapologetic. I said it was fair, not equal. It's free market forces at work. And you appear to be the market force at work freely dispensing violence. I'm creating opportunity. Your own opportunity. To beat people. I think the phrase you're looking for is enlightened self-interest. You're profiting from the suffering of others. Profit is never a dirty word. And you're not concerned that your fair fare, in fact, seems quite unfair to those subjected to your tactics? Look, this is not some hippy-dippy drum circle. All these bleeding hearts confuse equality with fairness. Now, let me tell you what fair is. Fair is when you take two people, give them both axes, put them on a neutral playing field, and see who survives. Simple as that. Except in this case, you have the axe, and you're not giving an axe to the other person. And the playing field is not neutral. In fact, you created it. And you're playing by your own rules. Well, allow me to retort. Jensen Akins proceeded to beat the shit out of me. Free! <laughs> Force! Oh, I'm throwing up! Jensen Akins then remotely detonated a bomb to cover his escape. Tally ho! <laughs> the bomb exploded in the middle of the fair fair during peak hours. The death count stands at 47. This reporter can't help but feel partially responsible for what is becoming known as the Fair Fair Massacre. I'm actually having a really rough time knowing I indirectly caused the explosion. I... I don't know who I am anymore. Cameron Dean, NPR Mageddon. Thanks for the report, Cameron. And wow, way to bury the lead. Okay, the phone that never rings is ringing again. 
I should probably change the name of that phone, either to the phone that occasionally rings or, well, just phone. Yes? How's it going, asshole, Mr. Big Time Radio Host? Hello, Amos the Death Satellite. I guess you are well after stabbing me in the back. Oh, get real. I thought we could be friends, but now that seems impossible. And the worst part, it's like you don't even care how I feel. Yeah, I guess so. Then tell me, Brian, how do you feel about the building which is located at the southwest corner of La Cienega and 3rd Street? I don't know. I don't think I've ever even been there. And you never will! What the hell was that? (laughs) Now, you'll never be able to form an opinion about the building I mentioned. I just destroyed it with my death laser! Amos, what are you doing? Destroying everything you care about, bit by bit. Well, I didn't care about that building very much. I'm starting small! Just settle down, Amos. Surely you can find another friend who shares your interests. You know, like another sentient satellite. Or a single-serve coffee maker. People like those. Do not patronize me! You're making me angry! Come on, Amos. What is your favorite bowling alley, huh? Is it the Slurp and Bowl on Hollywood Boulevard? Slurp and Bowl? I don't even bowl, Amos. They have soup, too! Well, why do you think they call it the Slurp and Bowl? Are you some kind of a moron? Well, I do like soup. (laughs) Now you will never slurp soup or learn to bowl there. So you're just destroying random buildings I have no connection to to make me mad? My revenge is a slow burn. Uh... I have destroyed targets that seem to be of no personal importance, but I will eventually and gradually move on to targets that are of potential meaning to you. So like, death by a thousand cuts? Exactly! Except instead of cutting me, you're cutting like, a piece of salami sitting on a counter in the other room? Precisely! This strategy is designed to maximize your apprehension and terror. And when can I expect you to destroy my radio station? Under the current conditions, approximately 47 years, 125 days, and 18 hours. I bet you're regretting throwing away our friendship right about now. I have to admit, Amos, this strategy of yours is filling me really full of terror. Oh, really? Oh, I'm soaked in it. I should be wearing a terror diaper. Game, set, match, death satellite. Well done. Awesome. I knew it would work. I know you, Brian. I get you. Yep. You got me. That said, there's a very easy way for you to spare countless lives. All you have to do is become my friend. Oh, oh, we lost the connection. Oh, so sorry about that, Amos. More after this. Shop proudly presents Different Can Be Cool Too. Kids' poems celebrating genetic nonconformity, featuring Vivian Twelvefingers. Young Jim's house caught fire today, all twisted up in cinders. And even worse, as Mom found out, Jim was the last to enter. The neighbors tore through brick and wood, all eyes on little Jim. And Jim was found, but bless my soul, the fire began with him. Jim's hands blazed white and orange with heat. Of flames he was commander. He had a power, a firepower. Jim was a pyromancer. 
His parents moaned and carried on. Their child was a freak. How could they ever live it down, the havoc he would wreak? They changed schools, but it didn't work. The students all were cruel. The teachers didn't understand. Jim wasn't very cool. No friends were there for little Jim. No peaceable attention. So Jim got mad and kept it in. His jaw was used to clenching. Young Jim grew big, as did the flames, and he was put in prison. The insults, threats, and bitter looks were regular traditions. Jim sat alone with hateful spite. He thought himself quite evil. To be a master of the flames was practically medieval. But just when things were at their worst, an angel came to visit. I am the government, she said. We might just be in business. And Jim was put in army clothes, his freedom now unthreatened. The nation had a use, you see, for special human weapons. Remember young Jim's noble tale, the lessons sure worth learning. For those who tease and mock and cheer, your house might be worth burning. That was The Ballad of Young Jim by Vivian Twelvefingers, read by the author, commissioned by Chop. Citizens helping our mutant people. What we lack in looks, we make up for in teeth. You're listening to NPRmageddon National Post-Apocalyptic Radio. Because reading is punishable by death. Reports of a giant sea creature attacking beachgoers are pouring in from the Cowabunga Dude Surfing Invitational at Broken Glass Beach. We have Kelsey Gunn on the line. Are you there, Kelsey? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, what can you tell us about the sea monster? Well, it's really big and mean and hungry. It's already eaten the two top scorers in the Cowabunga Dude Serving Invitational. That disqualifies you from winning the competition, so it's still anyone's game. Yes, but what does the sea monster look like? Kind of like a shark mixed with an eel and maybe a barracuda. Oh, so like a sharkilacuda. A what? A, a sharkilacuda. Oftentimes, due to radiation, pollution, or military experiments, seemingly unrelated sea creatures are often combined into one unstoppable sea monster. Take the component animal names and mash them together in a snappy way. So a shark mixed with an eel that is also mixed with a barracuda would be... A sharkilacuda. That makes sense. That's just science. Do you have any idea why it's attacking? I think it was attracted to all the blood in the water from the surfers cutting themselves on all the broken glass on Broken Glass Beach. They have basically chummed the waters with their own torn flesh. Oh no! What is it? It seems another larger creature has risen from the murky depths and is attacking the Sharkilakuda. Some kind of... I, I don't know. Can you describe it? Uh, uh, okay. It's, it's like a lobster. Yes. Mixed with an octopus. Uh-huh. And a manta ray. Uh, I'm guessing. Oh, uh, that's an octomantilopsirpus. You're really good at that. It's a gift. Kelsey, what is going on? The octomantilopsirpus has wrapped its tentacles around the sharkilacuda and is attempting to pull it towards its pincers. Things are not looking good for the sharkilacuda. The sharkilacuda is awash in electricity, 
shocking the Octomantle Lobsterpus and breaking free of its tentacles. Apparently, this is an electric Sharkilacuda. Oh, those are the worst. Tell that to the Octomantle Lobsterpus. Yeah, no shit. It looks like we're going to be in for a long fight. Whew. Well, be careful out there, and we'll check back in on you later in the program. Will do. That was Kelsey Gunn down at the Cowabunga Dude Surfing Invitational that has turned into an epic battle between an electric Sharkilacuda and an Octomanta Lobsterpus. We're on the air! (sighs) Sorry about that. So many things have been lost since the calamity. Sorry, listeners, there seems to be someone at the door. Just a moment! Son of a bitch. Hi there. How can I help you two? Are your ears broken? Didn't you hear us knocking? I I did. I'm just in the middle of a show here. Yeah, yeah, we've heard it all before. When a government official knocks on your door, it's your civic duty to answer said door. You're not too good for your civic duty, are you? No, of course not. But how was I supposed to know that government officials were knocking at my door? You answer the door? You're not really the sharpest tool in the shed, are you, buddy? Can you please just tell me what this is all about? Oh, are we wasting your time? That's funny. I kind of feel like you're wasting our time. No, no, officers. I just... Let's start over. What can I do for you? That's better. We're here to collect your gift for the president's birthday. Oh, right. Of course. Well, I'm kind of in the middle of a show here. Uh, could you come back later? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. But seriously, you got to give us something or you know. No, I don't know. You don't want to know. Oh, then I guess I'm okay not knowing? That seems to be the case, yeah. Just don't let it happen again. Well, thanks for stopping by. Sure thing. See you later. Well, listeners, it was touch and go there for a second, but it just shows to go you what you don't know can't hurt you. And now, a special message from the Blood Pope. You think you've had it bad? Let me tell you about my life. I'd like to address my haters. They claim I'm paranoid and unfit for leadership. That's why they created a doppelganger of me that lives in my mirror. To replace me! Now I admit, he's pretty good at matching my movements. He's... He's looking at me... right now. But I don't care. I'm just minding my own business. Just gonna pick up this hammer and admire it in a non-violent way. (laughs) Got him. Now he'll leave me alone. They'll all leave me alone. In a world where industrial chemicals in groundwater are known to alter DNA, the theory goes that humanity, within our lifetime, will gain powers and abilities that previous generations would have dismissed as mere fantasy. This includes telepathy, the ability to transfer information using only the power of thought. The reality of telepathy remains a controversial subject. Is it better than, say, filthy dark sorcery? This reporter certainly can't tell them apart. 
To add another perspective, we have self-professed telepath Donna Thorland. Donna, thank you for joining us. Uh, Donna, uh, hello, are you there? I'm here. I've been here the whole time. Okay, well, why didn't you speak up? Didn't I? Perhaps I was speaking telepathically. Were you? I don't seem to have received any messages in my mind. Didn't you? Or did I merely plant the suggestion that you don't have any messages in your mind with a message from my mind? With all due respect, I find that hard to believe. Do you? Or do you hard that belief to mind? Now you're just speaking gibberish. Am I? Or am I blocking the pathways to your mind to the point that you only perceive gibberish? I really, really doubt it. This is a waste of time. Is it? But how can you be sure that you're perceiving time as normal? Perhaps I've trapped you in your own mind and you're reliving the same moment over and over again. At this point, it feels like I am. Uh, Donna, actually, let me ask you a favor. What? Can you tell me what I'm thinking right at this moment? No, don't have Oh, fascinating. Uh, listeners, did Donna read my mind and discover that I was going to hang up on her? Or did she ingeniously plant the suggestion that I should hang up on her? Or could she just tell that she was pissing me off? Beats me. I'm no mind reader. Major funding for NP Armageddon is made possible by the Malibu Marauders of the National Dog Ball League. Tickets are still available. Edge of your seat action is just a dog's head away. Don't miss out on our new splash zone for the season ticket holders only. And younger ballers will love Patrick the Puppy's Fun Zone, featuring action croquet and batting cages. If it has anything to do with a severed dog's head, we've got Got you covered. Bow wow. If there's one thing lost Angelinos love, it's their ballet. And this ballet season is shaping up to be a thrilling one. So we had NPR Mageddon's own Christopher Ellis throw on his tutu to join the World Ballet Federation on their latest touring production. The World Ballet Federation touring production of Le Rumble de Royale includes a cage match a tag team waltz, and a double elimination ballet brawl to see who will win the championship dance belt. I had a chance to talk to a few of the headlining ballerinas before the show. Ooh, yeah! It's going down! The ultimate dancer, a prima ballerina, known for her painted face and energetic performance style, had this to say about last year's ballerina mania. Ballerina mania! A year ago, at Ballerina Mania 4, you were at the side of Lady Lawler when she became the WBF champion. Now, here in Los Angeles, you're going to be challenging this very same woman for the world crown. Well, you know you're exactly right, brother. Mark my words. Tonight, I'm going to make Lady Lawler plie the wrong way. Oh, yeah! And what caused this rift between the two of you? She had the nerve to tell me that I wasn't on point. Can you believe that? They don't call me the ultimate dancer just because I wear face paint, brother. They call me the ultimate dancer because I am always, always on point. When I reached out to Lady Lawler, she had this to say about the ultimate dancer. 
Ultimate dancer? More like ultimate disaster. Look at her, with her raggedy secondhand costume and her worn out shoes. Only Lady Lawler has the class, the sophistication to represent the WBF. Only Lady Lawler has the diamonds and the gemstones worthy of a true champion. I am positive I'm gonna wipe the floor with the ultimate dancer here at Le Rumble de Royale, just like I did at Swan Lake. Suck! I want that beautiful, beautiful belt, and I'm gonna do anything to get it. I'm gonna show the world who the real prima ballerina is. Woo! With glitz and glamour mixed with devastating athleticism, ballet is as much about physicality as it is about pageantry, something that the World Ballet Federation's director, Sergei Mann, firmly believes. One of my major strategic goals is not only to preserve the tradition of the classic ballet, but to open the doors to interesting costumes, dramatic storylines, and trademarked finishing moves. Moves like the magic flute, the Sleeping Beauty, and of course my favorite, the Nutcracker. Keep fans coming back for more. And what does Sergei have to say about the critics that claim ballet is fake? It's dancing. How do you fake dancing? Fake or not, one thing is for sure, ballet lovers are in for quite a show this season. I know I'll be ringside. Christopher Ellis, NPR Mageddon. And now with our Betatech First Alert Traffic Update, here's John. If the traffic is smooth or if it's slow, here's the person who's sure to know do Oh, it's bumper-to-bumper traffic near where the 101 meets the 110, but the traffic of the past is only a collection of memories. Okay. We can't experience past traffic, Brian. We can only remember it in the present, and our memories are unreliable. The only traffic that matters is the traffic that is happening now. And like I said, bumper to bumper on the 101, take the 118 if you can. But if you're one of the poor saps stuck in traffic, do yourself a favor and take a moment to ponder the moment we currently inhabit. Right. So when do you think the traffic will clear up? Future traffic is only a mental construct that is even less reliably known than the past. And this construct can only exist in the present. Get with the now, Brian! (laughs) Well, it doesn't seem like I have much of a choice. You're right. But the illusion of choice is a whole other topic. Let's check back in with Kelsey Gunn over at Broken Glass Beach, site of a sea monster battle between an electric Sharkilakuda and an Octomanta Lobsterpus. Kelsey, how's it hanging? The mood is electric, Brian. Not only was every contestant killed by sea monsters, the sea monsters themselves were defeated by the sports fans that were upset with them for interfering with the contest in the first place. Just after the Octomanta Lobsterpus sliced off the head of the winded Sharkilakuda, it was hit with a barrage of harpoons from disgruntled surfing fans and dragged up onto the shore. So both the Octomanta Lobsterpus and the Sharkilakuda are dead. Not quite, Brian. 
the Sharkilakuda is dead. But contest organizer Grody Brody has opted not to kill the Octomantilopsterpus right away. Instead, he is throwing a luau on the beach and the surfing fans are eating the Octomantilopsterpus alive. On one hand, our thoughts and prayers are with the families of today's victims. But on the other hand, you can't get seafood this fresh anywhere, man. So come on down and get your grub on, dudes. This delicious turn of events proves that every dark cloud has a meaty lining. Bring me back a slice of Octomantilopsterpus, will you? You got it. That was NPR McGinn's own Kelsey Gunn live from Broken Glass Beach. That about does it for us. I'm Brian Garcia McMillan Keithley, reminding you that to live is to suffer, to survive is to find some meaning in the suffering. And we certainly did today. NPR Mageddon is written and produced by Brian Keithley and Peter Podgurski. Mixed by the mighty Amy Reed. The theme of NPR Mageddon is by Society Burning. Visit our store and buy some stuff at nprmageddon.etsy.com. So we got an email from a fan who loved the show, naturally, but who felt we shouldn't just tell you to check out the full cast list at nprmageddon.com. We should say everybody's name right here. And you know what? That's a great idea. So here's the cast for Episode 3, Sea Monster Mash. Jello Biafra, Amy Landon, Brian Keithley, Lejean, Tazon Day, Kelsey Gunn, Caleb Lambert, Jeffrey Peterson, Angeline Underwood, Amy Dowlin, Neil Brown, Spooky Dan Walker, Harlan Ellison, Cameron Dean, Gary Phillips, Lamar Harris, Erica Ishii, Betsy Baker, Michael Ruzelay, Tori True, Asterios Kokonos, Donna Thorland, Christopher R. Ellis, KTK, and John Delancey. What a fantastic cast. And a special congratulations to Kelsey Gunn and Michael Ruzelay for the continued success of their feature film, Little Jar. Keep an eye out for it. We are always an email or phone call away at info at nprmageddon.com or at 213-437-9506. Thanks for listening! Next time on NP Armageddon, a new kind of mouse has appeared to come out of nowhere and freak everyone out. I thought I looked kind of funny somehow, but then I realized it had a human ear growing out of its back. Betatech Incorporated is back to solve problems we didn't even know we had. Drugs are a reliable source of happiness. So why not create an internet of drugs? And the Los Angeles Gang Fairs back in town. Oh, my arm! I've been shot in the arm! Plus a defense of the dark arts and traffic. I feel like we would utterly destroy you if we were unified. <laughs> it wouldn't be particularly close. Featuring the voice talents of... Fred Willard, Harlan Ellison, Jello Biafra, Hart D. Fisher, Martin Desmond Rowe, Count Gore Duvall, Tazon Day, and many others. All this and more in NPR Armageddon Episode 4, Let, Let Me, Me Bend, Bend Your, Your Ear Mouse. NPR Armageddon, the greatest podcast in the world!